0: This week we get to celebrate one of my favorite holidays. A day when we get to get a day off work or used to be able to take a day off school, spend time with people that we love, and that day, that holiday for me, is the first day of deer season. (laughs) How about the rest? Anybody else in here experience that holiday? Seriously, Thanksgiving's coming, right? Well, and let me just say this to you right off the bat. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Are you ready? Say it back to me. Merry Christmas. Merry All right. If somebody's shaking your head. You're not going to do it. Let's pray together. We got to get our minds and our hearts right here this morning. Let's go. Father, we do thank you and praise you for this season. We thank you and praise you for a day that, uh, Lord, we set aside to be thankful, which in its own right sounds kind of silly because as your followers, we're supposed to live every day in that thankfulness. But we do pray that during this week we will take time to take stock in what you have given us, all of those blessings that we know come straight from you. We we just give you thanks today. And we pray, Lord, that as we spend time with friends and family this week and as we serve others, as we just live in the way that you have called us to live every day, that we would just develop a gracious heart, a grateful heart that goes way beyond one day a year. And... uh, It's pointed directly to you. We give you the glory and the praise and the honor for all you do. And it's in Jesus' holy and precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. In all honesty, I am going to talk to you about Christmas today. And and for some of you, I I know how that makes you feel. I, I love the fact that when I said Merry Christmas, there were actually about five of you out there shaking your head. You're not going to say Merry Christmas back to me yet. How many of you have heard someone, or you are the one, Guilty of grumbling already because Santa Claus showed up at the mall the day after Halloween. Anybody? (laughs) Huh? Or your neighbor already has their tree up and their lights on their house, right? And you drove by, shook your head, said something under your breath, like, you know, why can't they just wait until the Christmas season? Well, Well, really, we have kind of combined, if you will, uh, uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas in our culture, and I'm not so sure that that's all a bad thing. Th- think with me like, like a kid for a minute. Can, can you remember anticipating what our culture has come to call the holiday season? I mean, honestly, for me growing up, it really was deer season. Deer season kind of kicked it off. My dad, back in Wood, in Wood County days when I was going to school, it wasn't a holiday We still had school on the first day of deer season. But my dad always let me skip. He let me skip and go hunting. That began kind of our holiday season. I knew after that that Thanksgiving was coming and I got to spend all that time with the family. I knew after that that Christmas was coming and I absolutely loved this time of year, clear through the end of the year, and frankly, I still do. But for a lot of us as kids, what we remember And what we celebrate is that kind of silly materialism that just allowed us to begin to anticipate the presents that were coming our way. We wanted a certain thing maybe for Christmas. Or we dreamed of getting a certain thing for Christmas. Now I know that Christmas is not about the presents and that's kind of what we're going to talk about in the next five weeks. But how many of you really do remember something you got when you were little that was special to you? something you got. It's amazing, isn't it? I remember the first single shot shotgun that I got. I am a redneck at heart in case you hadn't figured that out yet, okay? And, and and I just I can remember it like it was yesterday. I wanted it, I anticipated it. You can see kids and the light in their eyes. I have a, a grandson now and a granddaughter that'll be here within 7 to 10 days supposedly. And they, my grandson, just—he's three years old, and he's talking already about Christmas. He's—he's he's excited when he sees things. He just has this kind of enthusiasm going on. I know people. I don't get it. I don't understand it at all. But they're already talking about Black Friday shopping trips with their family, with their friends. That part I don't understand. But I know for some of you, that's even something that you anticipate. But there's just something about this season that gets us kind of excited, that gets us kind of uh, enthusiastic, if you will, or it does the opposite to us. It turns us into absolute scrooges. How many of you out there can say with me, uh, from the sincerity of your heart, bah humbug? Anybody? Say it out loud. Come on, get it out. Bah humbug. That's right. We know who you are. You pull us down this time of year, right? We don't mind that the lights are already up. Those of us who are excited, we don't mind that. I listened to Christmas carols all the way from Parkersburg over here this morning. There was snow on the ground, and I was listening to Bing Crosby and a bunch of other people sing, coming across Route 50 this morning. But some of you are just like, oh, I can't stand this celebration so early. But think with me about this. Shouldn't we get excited about our Lord and Savior's birth. Shouldn't we take advantage of the fact that the whole world is pointing towards something that we can now explain what the real meaning of this excitement is? Because I want to talk to you today on Thanksgiving Sunday and the next several weeks through Advent about anticipating the presence, but not with a TS, with a CE, Because that's what Advent is all about anticipating the presence of our Lord and Savior. Advent is about anticipating the presence of the Messiah. Now, many of you know a lot about Advent. You know it begins next week officially, and and you know that we'll light candles and we'll celebrate hope and love and, and peace and joy, and we'll do all of those in the next few weeks. We have the privilege, listen to me say that, the privilege to celebrate Christmas on Sunday this year. And I know every one of you is going to make sure that your family is here to worship on Jesus' birthday and open your presents before or after that so you can celebrate the real presence of the Lord. If I can drive over here from Parkersburg, you can drive from where you are to be here and celebrate that Sunday morning. But we're here to really celebrate the presence, S-E-N-C-E. Advent is the celebration of the first coming of Christ. It's kind of Kind of, we're going to look at this in the next few weeks. And I'm tying this all into Thanksgiving, by the way, here in just a little bit. Just hold on. But Advent is a celebration in kind of two ways. First, it is a celebration of the first coming of Christ. The Israelites anticipated this presence of God in their midst, they were looking for the Messiah, they were looking for the anointed one, they were looking for Jesus the Christ. In Isaiah 53, verse 1 and 2, we see this kind of articulated in the Old Testament, this this anticipation of the presence of God coming into the world. We read the scriptures and it says this, Who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before Him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to Him, nothing in His appearance that we should desire Him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering, like one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. If you read on down through verse 12 of that passage, you'll see that this is just an expression of the anticipation of the coming of the Messiah who would take the sins of the world upon him and give us that peace and that forgiveness. In the New Testament, we see the fulfillment of this prophecy in John Four, twenty-five, 25, and 26, when the woman speaking to Christ says, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming, and when He comes, He will explain everything to us. And Jesus declared, I who speak to you am He. In John chapter 1, verse 40 and 41, we read this, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. And the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him this, We have found the Messiah that is the Christ. And all of this is the very heart of what we celebrate on December the 25th. The very heart of the coming of the Messiah into this world. God present with us. The presence of the Messiah. In John chapter 1, verse 14, it explains it so incredibly like this: the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. In the Greek, it literally says, He pitched his tent in our neighborhood. He set up camp right in the midst of where we are. We have seen his glory, John says. The glory of the one and the only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. That is what we celebrate on Christmas. It is God coming into our world, the Messiah. Present with us, Emmanuel, God is with us. I don't know about you, but that's something to get excited about, amen? I mean, to have God present in our neighborhood, pitching His tent in our camp, walking along with us through our troubles, being our strength, our peace, our shield, being all that we need to get through everything that we face and giving us ultimately that eternal life where we can live for eternity with Him, that's something to get excited about. I'm out of breath. I'm so excited talking about this morning. But there is something else in Advent that we're celebrating. It is not only that past coming of Christ that is still a present reality for all of us today, but it is also the celebration of the second coming of Christ. Advent for all of us who live in this day as we look back to the coming of the Messiah, we are also doing kind of a turning around and looking forward at the same time. Jesus and the other New Testament writers uh, gave us words in the New Testament to help us point forward to this second advent. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 30 through 31, it says this At that time, the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and all the nations of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory and he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of the heavens to the other and so we see like in the old testament look forward to that first coming that we are to be mindful of the second coming jesus tells us in mark 13:35 therefore keep watch because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. And so we are celebrating the presence of the Messiah who has come and anticipating the fullness of his presence in the same Messiah that is to come in all of his glory at some point in the future. And as we think about that past piece of Advent, and we think about that second Advent, we kind of bring those together to where you and I are, right now we come back to our present to this weekend where we are heading into a week of celebrating thanksgiving and then we're going into this christmas season that is already upon us what does all of this mean for us well here's what i think it means here's what i think it should mean for all of us who are followers of jesus christ this should be a time a very practical time of our reorienting our celebration of Christmas, a practical time of redoing the priorities of our lives beyond December the 25th, beyond the Thursday of Thanksgiving, and to really live in the reality of the presence of God in our life, to really live in the gratefulness for the coming of the Messiah that has happened and the coming of the Messiah that is in our future and so I will say to you, humbugs and scrooges, you need to have an attitude change during this Advent season. Now, I want to tell you something for just a minute. Pastors can become the most sarcastic people in the world. They can become, <laughs> you can amen it. I know it better than any of you or than some of you. Pastors can become very cynical people, and I don't know a pastor that really, honestly loves this time of year. Most pastors I know get together and we talk like this: "Oh my goodness gracious, Christmas is coming! Whoo! I got parties. Everybody wants the preacher to go to the Christmas party, right?" I always enjoyed that, but it did get a little much when we got up to having 30 Sunday school classes and they all had parties. And you're gone and you're like, I can only eat so much turkey and ham in one month. I can eat a lot of turkey and ham, but only so much in one month, right? You have all these things that are going on at the church. You hardly have time to catch your breath in addition to your family celebrations and everything else going on and you have a family who wants to celebrate Christmas Eve, and you've got two Christmas Eve services at the church, and someone wants to hang around and talk to you for an hour after the Christmas Eve service, and your family's like, are you ever going to spend any time with us? I know a lot of pastors who are just like, I can't wait until this season is over and January comes. And as much as I love Christmas my whole life, that's exactly the way I got in the church. I got to where I was the biggest Scrooge in the world when it came to Christmas. I could stand up in front of the church, and I could talk about how much I love Jesus, and I could talk about how much I loved Christmas, and the whole time I'm just thinking to myself, just one more Christmas carol, Lord, and January's going to be here. Just one more lighting of the candle, and January's going to be here. About ten years ago, I was having a little bit of a devotional time, and I don't know how God works with you, but He usually has to hit me with something the size of a tube before to get my attention. And he just basically said, look, this is about me. This is about my coming into the world, the greatest gift ever given. You ought to be excited about this today. You ought to be excited about this next week. You ought to be excited about this every single day of your life. Don't let all that other stuff pull your joy out of your Christmas celebration. And and I think what we need to do is to follow the example of the Old Testament folks who were anticipating the presence of the Messiah and the New Testament folks who experienced this presence but also were already looking forward to the second coming. We need to just literally thirst for the presence of Christ in our life. Thirst for it. Listen to this for just a minute. do to you oh hear that ah I just feel so good right oh Bing singing that but it just conjures up in our minds something special doesn't it and it's not just the traditional sound that we've heard our whole lives most of us growing up or those of us who are older older than Bing you know we've at least heard it most of our lives It's not just that he has a a really neat voice that we don't hear out of very many musicians and singers this day. It really is the message, isn't it? There's just something about being home for Christmas. You know what it's like, though, don't you? We have these images of home. And we really can't ever go back to what those images are. Because home for us is not that house. Home for us is not that that, that, uh, certain cookie or whatever. All of that just pointed back to what? The people, didn't it? To go home from college and and be with the family, to go home from living out of town and be with the family, to gather with people that you love and who love you. My mom died six years ago. Christmas has never been the same since she passed away. My images of home are always with what she cooked. Always with what she did. To make everything special at Christmas time for every single person in our family. And so when I conjure up these images of home, I know I can never again go home for Christmas. This is exactly the kind of emotions I think we should experience at Advent. Exactly the kind of thirst for going home with God that we ought to have. This kind of awe experience. I've been so busy through the rest of the year. During this season, I'm going to really think about how special it is to live in the presence of Christ. I'm going to think about John 14, 1-4, where Jesus says, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms, if it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the place to where I am going. The reality of the past coming of Christ, the reality of the the present, and the reality of the future coming of Christ should give us this longing, this thirst, this hope of just being with Jesus and the thing is with him we can always go home with him we can't conjure up an image that's less than what it really is with him we can only picture something that is less than what it's in reality going to be because with him we are going to be home one day for eternity if we know Him as our Lord and Savior. And right now, we can celebrate and be enthusiastic about the fact that that presence of Christ in our life right now points to that advent, that coming of Christ. Psalm 42, 1 and 2. I know I'm skipping through a lot of these scriptures today, but there's just a lot of good ones that that point to this. It says, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? Do you know the difference between a drink of water and a drink of water when you're thirsty? When I was growing up, I had to go to the rock every summer. The rock was grandpa's farm because grandpa paid 50 cents an hour to throw bales of hay on the wagon as he baled hay. That's hard work. Any of you ever do that? Way before the round bales and stuff, you know, you walk behind, you throw them on the wagon. Grandpa wasn't going to invest in one of those things that kicks it on the wagon by itself. Had too many grandkids, right? <laughs> and when you drank a glass of water on a 90-degree day, when you'd been throwing hay for the last three or four hours without stopping, you were thankful for a drink of water. And it tasted better than any drink of water you'd ever had anywhere in your life. Anywhere. Why? Why? Because you were thirsty. We need to thirst for God. Sometimes we just take little sips of His presence. Yeah, I'll get up and go to church on Sunday. It's not too snowy outside. I'll get up and go to church and do my thing, but do you thirst for Him every single day? Because if you do, then what you can experience is this. If you thirst for the presence of God, you can thrive in the presence of God. Look, look at what happens to the disciples when Jesus ascends into heaven. He has to send some help to, to kind of give them a little nudge, as it is, to, to say, um, Yeah, I did come and yeah, I will be back, but, but right now you got some stuff to do. Right, right now, although you need to celebrate the fact that I came and that I'm coming again, you got some things to do right now in the presence. You need to thrive in the presence, if you will. In Acts chapter 1, 6 through 11, we see this. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid them from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said... Why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Now, I love this passage of Scripture because I always laugh at this. I can almost picture this almost as a, a comedy scene. The disciples are sitting there looking up like he's gone, right? But they're standing there. These two guys appear. These two angels appear. And they're like, hey, hey guys, what are you, what are you looking at? You know? Well, you know, Jesus, he just, he just left. Yeah, well, yeah, I know, but... What are you stand here wasting your time for? Didn't he tell you you got things to do? Didn't he tell you you have, have things to accomplish? Two years ago, God ex- expressed to me a call in my life, and I think I might have said this to you guys the first time I was here with you, but, but it was something that very few people understood. Matter of fact, a lot of people who respected me greatly came to me and said, what are you doing? You can't do this. This is the wrong thing to do. And what I did was I left the church. I've been... A pastor at for 26 years, been the lead pastor for 16 years. I didn't leave because things were going bad, things were going awesome, as a matter of fact. But I left because God called me to something, and I stood and told the church actually what God called me to was I'm the CEO of a physical therapy business. That's not a calling, that's a job, right? No, here's the thing. I love the church. I have a heart for the church. That's why I'm preaching here this morning. That's why I do, on the side, Renew Transformational Strategies, which I coach pastors and do leadership training in churches and stuff. But here's the thing. I'm working for a Christian-owned physical therapy company who the owner came to me and said, I want my company to be a ministry. I want my people to know that I love Jesus. And I want my patients to know that I love Jesus. But it's really hard to navigate in a healthcare world. Can we do something kind of special and exciting and try something kind of different? Would you be willing to pray about this? And for five years I told him, no, I'm called to be a pastor. And the fifth year, I prayed about it. (laughs) Honestly. I never prayed about it once because I knew what my calling was. God wanted me to be a pastor. And when I finally prayed about it, I went to my wife and I said, I got something really weird going on with me. And she said, what's that? I said, I think God might be saying to me, I need to go work in that business world stuff. And she was like, you know what? I've been praying about that for the last two or three years, and I think it's exactly what God wants for you. Maybe because you want me home on Christmas Eve, but I think it was honest, you know. And I want to tell you something. I absolutely love my time in the church. I may be back there again one day as a pastor somewhere in a church. I respect pastors probably more than anybody else in the world. But I'm doing as much, if not more, ministry in the business world than I ever did in the church. I counsel more people. I pray with more people. I've led people to the Lord. And it's amazing. And you know why? I think it's just because of this whole idea. We are called to thrive in the presence of our God. And it's not here that He wants you to thrive. This is good. Church is good. This worship is awesome. But this is one hour of your week. You need to thrive in his presence when you go to work tomorrow. You need to thrive in his presence when you go to school tomorrow. You need to thrive in his presence when you go to the woods tomorrow. You need to thrive in his presence when you go home with your family for lunch today. You need to know that you are in the presence of God Almighty. He is there with you. Because He came, and He's coming again in His fullness. But in between those two, He's dependent on you. Are you eager to do good this Christmas and beyond? Are you eager to serve others in His name, to serve Him? I say all that to say this. I've preached tons of thanksgiving services in my life. I always stand up in front of people and I say, be thankful, be thankful. You got a lot of things to be thankful for. Everybody's like, oh yeah, great sermon preacher, you know. But here's what I want you really to do. To understand, to really be thankful, you got to really be living in the presence of Christ. Because when you are, you will never forget that he came. You will never forget that he's coming again. And every breath will be something you're grateful for. Every opportunity will be something you're grateful for. Every shining light and Santa Claus in the store can be something you're grateful for, even though it is just Halloween. Because it's an opportunity for you to tell people about the real meaning of Christmas. Ears a little bit more willing to listen. Don't be a Scrooge. Be a thankful grateful person who thrives in the presence of Jesus Christ and who is thankful for the presence of Jesus Christ every day. In Luke 1:46 through 49, in that beautiful song, prayer, poem that Mary gives us, starting in verse 46, we read this, "'My soul glorifies the Lord, "'and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior.'" For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. You know what that is? Thanksgiving for the presence of Christ. Pray with me.